Rhonda? Yes, this is Rhonda. Hey, Rhonda. Good morning. How's everything going today? Going well. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. First of all, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for doing this uh, quick conversation with me. Uh, where in the world do you hail from? Where are you at? I am in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Great. Great. So mm -hmm. do you mind if we start at the beginning uh, while we get going here? Can you tell me a bit about how you started doing your creative work or how that spark got lit at the very, very beginning of your creative life? Oh, wow. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> big question. Big question at the very big beginning. <laughs> um, I've, I think I've always just been a storyteller. I used to write stories when I was a kid. Um, I, I, you know, I wrote a book when I was 13. It was horrible, but you know, it was, there was. Um, Can you tell me about your horrible book before you go any further? Can you tell me about oh, what that was like? What um, was the story about? <laughs> it was, it was teenage angst. So, you know, <laughs> since I, I was a teenager. I love teenage angst. So I'm sorry. I gotta, <laughs> okay. I, I, had to, I had to pry a little bit there. <laughs> No, that's perfectly fine. Um, it was about a girl who liked a boy and but he was the popular boy and she wasn't. And so, of course, you know, the usual they get together at the end. <laughs> but um, I remember being on my grandparents porch and it was raining and um, I just I was sitting there and I was just thinking about the the sounds and the rain. And I love the smell of, of like fresh cut grass and rain. And mm. so I just started writing. And that's that was. Um, that's the first time I think I remember writing something. I'm sure I did something before then, you know, as a younger kid. But mm -hmm. um, I've just always, I've always liked writing, whether I was doing filmmaking or theater or whatnot. Um, I was just always wanting to tell a story. And when I started getting more into um, doing some some book writing and, of course, the audio production, it, that was just kind of, that's been my motivation is to tell a story. And that's just incredible because you're not just a writer. Perhaps you began as a writer, but you branched out into other areas of creativity. You are now, as you said, an audio producer. You do a lot of stuff on YouTube. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different areas that you like to cover. But initially, it all branched out from the writing, correct? Yes, correct. Nice. So did you um, decide that you were going to be a writer from an early age and, and pursue it in school? Did you try to do any of the traditional routes of, of creativity? Um, I didn't. I got involved with community theater when I was a teenager. Ah, and okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so got the got the actor side, you know, <laughs> started honing yes. that. Um, but it that was about it. I didn't um, I did get a bachelor's of English, but that was only um, that was back in 2017. So I didn't do that when I was younger. Sure. sure. Um, so I don't know that I did any of the traditional routes other than just picking up and doing it. Right. And I love that because I feel like at the same time, yeah, you might say uh, there there's less structure in the learning, but there's a lot of beautiful learning experience that come from that kind of energy when you just Absolutely. will things to happen. I think that's so inspiring and, and very informative. What did you think were your biggest lessons in the very beginning where you said, you know what, I'm going to do this, but of course, when we're young, we all falter. We all have these moments right. where we kind of, you know, make these big operatic decisions, but then it tends to to kind of go by the wayside. Can you remember moments like that that taught you a lot when you were first starting out? Oh, goodness. Um, 
Pick your favorites. <laughs> I, pick your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess maybe the moments where, like, for instance, as an actor, you don't get a role. You know, you start going, yeah, okay, why yeah. didn't I? You know, and sometimes when you're younger, you're like, well, they just didn't see how good I am because you're young and, and right, right. Um, you know, full of yourself. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes we learn more. Sometimes we learn more from our mistakes than we do our successes. But at the same time, we should never invalidate our successes because there's a reason things were a success. Right. So it's, I think it's a, a balance of, of learning from both. You know, a lot of times people tell you, learn from your mistakes. Well, learn from your successes too. What, you know, what went right? Of course. Um, yeah. So when you were in theater, do you remember the name of the theater company that you started with? Yes, uh, it was the Monfort Park Players in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, okay. They are in out. They have an outdoor amphitheater, and they do Ooh. Shakespeare every oh, year. Oh, beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful! So you got yeah. to dive into a lot of the the classical works. You know, a lot of that Shakespeare mm -hmm. stuff. Did they do anything other than Shakespeare, or just focused on his work? Yes, actually, they. Um, when I auditioned, I actually auditioned for uh, uh, one of the Shakespeare plays, and I didn't get in. But I got a call that said, "Hey, we're." doing this Greek tragedy called the Trojan women, would you be interested? Mm. And I said, okay, I'll take a look at it, you know, and mm -hmm. I did. And so uh, I had a great experience. Um, uh, um, and so, yeah, so they've done a lot of, and not just like the classics, they do a lot of Shakespeare. That's what they're known for. Mm. And they, but they did do the Greek tragedy. They do um, some other contemporary works as well. So Oh, so you got a little bit of everything, which is kind of nice. And you were with those folks for a long time, I take it? On and off, yeah, for quite a while. Okay. Um, I did uh, my first show with them when I was 13. Um, they used to do a Christmas carol every year, so I did tech for that <laughs> when I was 13. Um, that was fun. <laughs> and um, over the years, later on, I actually did a little bit of acting, but I did more tech work and um, all of my theater directing work with, was with them. So. Mm. What was the, uh, at what point did you realize that you were more than a writer then? At, you know, was it just so, one of those things that you felt like you had to express yourself in different avenues from the get-go, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I, in all honesty, as I look back now, mistakenly pursued the acting path before I pursued the <laughs> writing path. Yeah. Um, not that I don't enjoy acting, I do, but I feel like at at my core i'm probably more of a writer than an actor but um i do really enjoy being an actor as well so i i feel like maybe i focus on that but at the same time now when i sit down to write something i can pull on those acting skills to you know work with dialogue or mm -hmm. you know when i'm reading stuff with other uh writers or whatnot you know we can you know, I can help them by acting out something in their script. So sure, it's, sure. you know, it, it wasn't wasted time. Let's put it that way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I love about being a theater person and, and having that background is that the writing is so effortless in many respects because you have a bit of that intuition about mm -hmm. what the, a performance should feel like, right? And mm -hmm. I think that that's something that perhaps some playwrights or or some writers even who like to write dialogue have an issue with sometimes because it is a very musical thing. There is a presence to it. There's a, you mm -hmm. know, an understanding of those cadences. And, uh, I wonder like how in your development you felt, uh, like you were getting it. Like, when did you feel <laughs> like things are actually clicking for me when I'm getting to work with dialogue or when I'm getting to 
to create a bigger picture for not just actors, but for other collaborators? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I don't know that there's ever a point where I felt like it clicked. Um, I, I always feel like there's, you know, we're all constantly learning, of course, mm -hmm. but um, I don't know if there's ever a, a clear point where I felt <laughs> like things clicked. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the rush, though, I think. the uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out oh, what's the next step. Um, but I think intuitively, yeah, we're, we're slowly getting a, a little bit better and a little bit more certain of where to go for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so can you tell me a bit about um, family life and how that's intersected with your creative work. I'm very interested in that because, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I, I have a job and I have mm -hmm. all these other kinds of things that I'm doing, but I'm curious how people either compartmentalize or just take it all in as it comes, uh, and what your experience has been with that. Um, well, I was, I was an only child, so, um, <laughs> which I think probably contributed to the creativity. Um, you make up your own worlds and, mm. and play dates as you go. Um, but my parents were actually very supportive. Um, of course I was 13. I was obviously not driving at that point. <laughs> and, um, so they, they actually would go and wait while I was, um, working in, in rehearsals or whatnot. And my dad actually got involved as a tech. So that was pretty exciting. Oh, cool, um, cool. Because the first, I am thinking about it, the first theater shows I did probably was when I was in middle school. Um, I think, well, you're in middle school when you're 13. But the first community theater show I did, it was really cool to be able to say, oh, my dad and I worked on this together. Mm. Um, and actually, the last theater show that I did that I directed, he built a couple of um, prop pieces for us. So it was kind mm. of a nice full circle um, with that. So, yeah, they, they were always encouraging my creative pursuits. Um, you know, they, I think they were a little concerned when I said I wanted to get a, a like a drama degree, you know, as parents <laughs> usually are, you know, course, to, to be yeah. fair. It's like, no, 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 something, something practical. <laughs> you can still do that. Just something practical. Yeah. Um, but then I wound up getting an associates and didn't go any farther. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think um, being able to have that freedom to explore those kinds of things. And even yeah. now I still have that freedom. Um, I'm 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 not uh, married or anything like that, so mm. um, I have not necessarily a little more free time because I do have a full time job. But mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's but I'm still close to my family, so um, yeah, yeah. But it, it does offer a little bit of yeah. flexibility, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, do you feel like you have one of those jobs that is that is completely draining when it comes to writing, like when you get home and you have to write that nothing really comes out? Or are you pretty strategic about it? Like these are the good days or the days that I get to write or how does that process work for you? I feel like I get more done as a writer on the weekends mm. um, with the way my job is because it's a little bit stressful. Um, mm. But I I can get some like audio editing or video editing done during the week sometimes. Yeah, so it just kind of yeah. depends. It depends on the day. Um, <laughs> but I tend to get more done on the weekends. <laughs> so tell me about the audio and video editing, because that's an area that I'm absolutely obsessed with and fascinated by. And I'm curious um, when you started branch out into that sort of production side of, of things and multimedia. Um, let's see. I think I started, <laughs> oh goodness. I know I always have to sit here and remember. It's like, when did I start doing that? Because everything just kind of melds together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably 2004 um, was when I started doing 
like really getting into things more of things like um, video editing, especially. Um, and then I've I've had opportunities at um, my various um, day jobs to do either video editing or audio editing. Oh, I've done a little bit of voiceover work. So yeah, so there there's been some opportunities to kind of branch out a little bit. But yeah, probably 2004. And I remember I started using um, I don't even know if they make it anymore. Um, Pinnacle Liquid Edition. It was kind of like oh, a step yeah. down from uh, um, Avid. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. remember? Uh, I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Somebody I remembers. was. I was there, Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Any chance I get, I I have to um I have to quote it. I have it on standby. But uh, no, I nice. remember in in school we had to use Avid. You know, the school edition, and it was all pared down. And then gotcha. you know a couple of friends had Pinnacle, and it was like the Pinnacle, right? Of of wonder mm-hmm. and possibility so what what kind of stuff yeah. um made you want to create in this medium i guess it just kind of goes back to and i don't know that i would have said this at the time it's just that storytelling that idea of mm-hmm. and i think really this whole time you know i've just been figuring out what medium works best mm-hmm. and I, and that probably kind of guided what i did yeah. Um, cause, and I'd always wanted to, you know, it, again, being young and naive, <laughs> um, I wanted to have that, that dream of going to Hollywood and being an actor and, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. getting to do all the, the acting stuff and that never happened, which is fine. Sure. But I think, you know, it was exploring cause I don't think I'd ever even thought about directing until I, I, um, I turned in a proposal to direct something and, you know, I'm like, I could do that. And, you know, I mean, directing is really just project management. So yeah, for, for those yeah. out there thinking about directing, it's project management. Just look at it that way. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, that's that's amazing. And I do agree. I mean, I, I think that's we in the arts sometimes forget that there are tangible skills that aren't ethereal, that are mm-hmm. very grounded in mm-hmm. reality and people management is one of those things that I just wish I could tell everyone absolutely you can do this right you have the ability you just mm-hmm. need to remember that mm-hmm. what you do in the arts matters in the real world too and exactly i i personally feel like that took a long time for me to figure out like how to translate those skills into the real world did you mm-hmm. ever have that issue or did you feel like you you knew exactly how everything intersected because i think a lot of us artists kind of get into the into the isolation or the bubble of the arts and we feel like mm-hmm. the other people don't really know what's going on with us or <laughs> how to you know mm-hmm. um <laughs> how to make the leap right from from art world into the real world quote unquote right i actually didn't think about direction as project management until a friend of mine um said it to me and she's like actually uh-huh. it's just project management and i went really and she goes yeah and she just broke it down she's like yes you have this you have this overall goal you have to set deadlines to make sure this gets done and i was like yeah yeah wow and then it started making me think you know it's like i mean like if you've done stage management you can manage right? oh yeah oh yeah you are good to go so, absolutely but we don't think about those things uh-huh. you know and so nowadays when i help my friends like um a couple of times i've had people ask me for help with their resume mm-hmm. and if i know they've done theater or something i'm like make sure you put this down because that's an yes. example of and they're like oh really so oh, yeah. i get to pass along that knowledge which is great <laughs> no i absolutely love that i think that we don't talk about it enough and people if you're mm-hmm. listening right now transferable skills 
that is your one thing that you need to go and Google right now because it's going to make your life as an artist in the real world a lot better. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Um, coming back to a couple of things that I'm curious about, I'm you know I'm kind of jumping back and forth in time, but thinking of memorable experiences that changed your mind and, and informed your worldview. Do you remember the the shows or a book or a work of art that changed your life when you were young? Ooh, wow. Um. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I should remember something. Um, it's, I remember like, well, okay. The first thing that actually comes to mind is a really old book. Haven't read it in years. And it was Caddy Woodlawn. Everybody was reading Anne of Green Gables at the point, but I was reading Caddy Woodlawn, which was not as well known. And the way I am now that kind of tracks because I, I try to seek out some of the lesser known kind of things or, <laughs> you know, cause I, I think, I think sometimes we forget that you know, because someone is um, very popular, very good at what they do, we forget there are other artists in the wings that are waiting for their shot. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that so sometimes the less popular things are like these hidden gems, um, you know, kind of like that book was. It's like because there was not a lot of people that knew about it. So I couldn't talk to uh, to a lot of people about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. That's that's just the first thing I happen to think of. Um, no, that's I've, great. That's there's great. There's been. Yeah. Uh, because you. It seems like you have been always looking for the work that might be on the fringes waiting for you to discover it. Um, something to that effect. So you you naturally gravitated to the kind of work that you'd have to do a little bit of work to go and find out, right? I think so. I think so. <laughs> so not in... not necessarily always. So <laughs> <laughs> No, that's that's great to hear. So when you began the uh the fan fiction journey because i know that you have quite a bit of that work on your on your site mm -hmm. can you describe what your interest is in in fan fiction and how you feel nourished as a writer when you do that kind of work i think my biggest thing with fan fiction because i started writing it in college um and it, for me it was it's a set world with set characters and you can practice. That was that was mm. the way I started looking at it. Um, you know, and so I've I've written for a number of different fandoms over the years. Um, and the most recent one that I actually have up on my uh, website is from uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Mm. Um, and that was fun because I took a character that would fit into that world, put her into that world, and then go from there. Which is is also something fun to do with fanfic. You create your own original character and <laughs> put them in. Um, but so I always saw it as writing practice. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Not I see. necessarily the copyright infringement that it, it, that it is. But <laughs> <laughs> for me, it was always writing practice. Um, and I had a lot of fun with it. And I still enjoy it. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's, it's a, a really, it's neat to see what people do with an established universe. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think that it, it reminds me of this idea that um, we don't have folk tales anymore. Um, and right. there was there was that argument, and I'm sure that you saw it floating on the internet, of uh, a professor who was talking about how because a lot of these intellectual properties, quote unquote, have been made privatized, you don't have access as a as a creator to share your rendering of it, which is a tradition that's as old as time. Right. Like all of us have been mm -hmm. trying to create some version of, of a story that's been around and now we don't get to do that. And so I do feel like my 
perception of fan fiction has changed over the years because I've really internalized mm -hmm. that. But it's such a beautiful thing because it's like you're doing something that is almost as old as storytelling itself, which is your version of something. I think that's super cool. That's that's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so getting into your own work now, um, do you feel like you're mostly in the in the fantasy uh, realm or do you feel like you explore a lot of other genres in your work? I have been exploring other genres. Um, I used to be more active in writing uh, very short stories or uh, VSS. There's mm -hmm. a hashtag on Twitter called VSS365. And basically the idea is that you get a word prompt every day and you write a story and it, you know, fits most mm -hmm. of the time. It, it fits within the the length of a tweet. That was always the limit I said anyway. Uh -huh. And um, it was really good for me because again, it was another way of good writing practice. You know, you learn yeah. to be more succinct. You learn to tell a story in those, I think it's 240 characters. And I used to do a lot of those. And actually the first book, book that I published is a collection of some of those. Cause oh, some of them great. turned out really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first book I published in November of last year. Um, mm. So, um, and I think I completely lost track of what the original question was. But oh, no, no, you're you're spot on in terms of um, genres that you're working in, or maybe ideas that gotcha. you like talking about. Yeah, yeah, that was and that that was also a really fun way to explore different genres because I've got some horror pieces in there. I've got some mm. suspense. I always say that I write speculative fiction, which kind of covers uh, fantasy, sci-fi. It's that what if kind of idea. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm a huge fan of things like steampunk. I actually have a, a novel series I eventually want to write. I'm just not there yet. But <laughs> I keep it's looking at docket. it. And it's going. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's on the docket. <laughs> no, that's great. So you do recommend for maybe somebody who's starting out or somebody who's just exploring to try those VSS prompts on Twitter. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's all different ones. There's the VSS 365, which is a daily. I believe uh, VSS Haunted House is a weekly prompt. So you have a whole week to write a story. Mm. But those those were so and you can always mix and match, put like four or five prompts together kind of thing. But mm -hmm. that, you know, giving you an idea and saying, here's this word. Now make a story with it. And you learn how to craft. Um, to me, it's you learn how to craft. You're not necessarily thinking, oh, I'm learning how to craft. But it, it gives you these these skills and ideas that you can use going forward. And I definitely saw a difference in my writing as I was doing these. So I still do them from time to time mm -hmm. um, when, when I get a chance. But it's it was definitely an excellent way to practice and hone what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other procedures or perhaps approaches or, or practices that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that that help you personally uh, to to be more effective? Not necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. I I would like to be better about being not structured in my writing, but making sure I'm doing it more often. Um, but I think we all struggle with that in the sure. creative realm because there's just kind of almost like a block of, you know, <laughs> okay, I know I need to be writing today. I yeah. know I need to be, but I could research this piece and that's still, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. so yeah. I, I don't know that I have anything I necessarily do on a daily basis. Um, I try to take better care of myself these days, but mm. other than that, that's about it. <laughs> so as long as you're healthy, you feel like, you know what, there will have time, right? So you're not one of those that feels like, oh, I got to be militant about this stuff where right? I have to get this many words on this day every single day for the next three months. It's, it's a little bit more open. Right. Or do you feel that way? 
It's I, I'm trying to make it more open. I do tend to be like, oh my gosh, I've got to get the script done. You know, especially if it's <laughs> scripts that are going out to other actors. It's like yeah, I gotta yeah. give them enough time. I gotta get it done this week. So it's a little, it's kind of a hodgepodge. You know, yeah, so there'll be times yeah. where it's like, okay, we have time, it's fine, you know, I can do this. And then sometimes I I have a self-imposed deadline that I probably shouldn't have imposed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's great. But that leads me to ask you something that I'm very, very interested about, which is the collaboration that you've put together in your work, because at, at a certain point you're done working on your, you know, your manuscript or typically your play, something like that. And then you bring other people into mm-hmm. the fold to help you sort of mm-hmm. sculpt it, bring it to life. How has, how does that normally work for you now that you're bringing in actors to do a piece that you've written for them? Do you have a community that you go to already, or do you have folks that you go and find online to do this? Or how does that normally work for you? Um, so as far as I do have a, a creative team uh, of my two best friends who are not afraid to be blunt and honest in their opinion, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so and they're very good at what they do. And my best friend is actually uh, my editor. So she and I mm. will hash out things before it ever gets to a cast. And then what I've mostly done is I've made a lot of connections, um, not to come back to Twitter, but I've made a lot of connections on Twitter, um, <laughs> other places as well. Some of my theater friends have stepped into that have recording equipment have stepped into to join me as well. Um, and it's basically, it's been mostly, um, I've done a few casting calls, but, um, other than that, it's been, uh, mostly either folks that I know or folks that I network and know through someone else. Mm. Um, so, um, um, it's been exciting cause I've, I've been able to work with more and more people. Uh, we just recently did a, a big Thanksgiving audio that was, uh, a lot of fun. And <laughs> that was, I just put out a call on Twitter and said, Hey, is anybody interested? And mm. people showed up. It was pretty cool. Oh, so, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was, re- it was really great. That was a really fun experience. Um, so, so yeah, oh, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to dive a little bit deeper into into the Thanksgiving play specifically. What was it about that work that you felt was successful? I it's it's the fastest one I've ever turned around, which was kind of stressful, but mm-hmm. also kind of like, okay, we can do this. Let's get, you know. Um, I think what it was is we all came together. We were all excited about it from the beginning. And, um, I try to give my actors room to play because the actors know what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I trust them with my scripts. It's, that doesn't mean I don't direct. So I will say, okay, let's try this a different way or yeah. maybe try this more this way. But you know, for the most part, it's, I usually just hand it to them and say, tell me, you know, play the character and, and we'll tweak as necessary kind of thing, play uh-huh. with it. Um, and so it was a lot of fun because I kind of gave people, you know, kind of a basic, I'm like this. And this was very basic. You know, it's like, well, this character is kind of the lovable goofball of the group. And they're like, okay, I can do that. (laughs) And we had this this whole section of ad libs because there's one scene in the play where it's you're at Thanksgiving dinner, which was the whole point of the the recording. Uh And so I asked people, I said, do some give me some ad libs um, of like what you would say at dinner you know like mm. pass the rolls oh i'll take some more of that gravy and they came up with some killer stuff it was fantastic <laughs> so i think i think it was just we were on a rush deadline unfortunately mm. i hate working on a rush deadline but we all came together we made it happen and it turned into something really beautiful and i think that was one of the best things about it is we can look at this and go this turned out really great oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> i love that because it, it I feel like this is the perfect time for me to talk to you because you're just inspiring me 
to continue to do the work that oh, I wanted to do. And I, I just think that the timing has been wonderful. But um, I feel like sometimes as creatives, especially originators, because you strike me as an originator who doesn't wait for anyone else to to tell you to write this or that, you are ready to go from the, right. from the get-go. Yep. Uh, I'm sure there's highs and lows. When you get to those lows of creative expression or feeling like things aren't going the way that they should, are there some things that you know will work to get you out of that, those, those funks that we all get into? Usually it is um, talking to my creative team because they're, they're used to me getting like this. <laughs> um, they're used to my quirks and, and whatnot. And, you know, and I'll be honest, I do have uh, depression and anxiety disorder. So that mm. just complicates yeah. things. Um, so for me, reaching out, to, and reaching out to other people or, you know, going back and, you know, I now have some comments I can look at, at that it's like, no, you know what, this, this is a really good piece. We're, we're, we're on hold right now or, you know, I'm not able to get to it right now, but yeah. This was good. This is not. So I try to find those things that remind myself, you know, what you're doing matters. I think that's the biggest thing, because a lot of times we forget that what we do as artists matters. Uh It's and, you know, kind of like back when I was younger, you know, why don't you get a practical degree? We've I I think and especially in this day and age, we tend to forget that what we do as artists makes a difference Mm -hmm. because it's not as easy to see. I mean, you know, you, you look at, you know, um you know, what do you go to when you need an escape? Will you watch a TV show or you listen to music or something mm-hmm. like that? And so those of us who are creating those TV shows or, or plays or music things, what we do matters, what we do makes a difference. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Right. And I do think that as independent creatives, as people who are out there doing the work with very little infrastructure or support, I think it's mm-hmm. double, twice as important to to dig into that kind of mentality because i i forget about that mm-hmm. so often and i think that it is nice to have that group of people backing you up or saying hey we're with you we're doing this so it's kind of a nice reminder to feel like we're doing this together we're we're in this to support each other and so that's great that you have that that community around you to kind of lift you up which is which is amazing now in this day and age because we, you know we're we're talking about community we're talking about the power of of that group to lift you up, what has your experience been with Twitter and the creative community that you found there? I really have, I've told other writers, you know what, get on Twitter, get, get into the, um, you know, start following like the hashtag, uh, writer writing, excuse me, writing community. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are a really good network of supportive writers. Now there, there are some, jack wagons out there i'm not going to say there aren't but it, it is social media so yeah but yeah. there's for the most part they're very supportive you know the highs the lows i know i see a lot of people tweeting about they're on query for their novel or something like that and they're just not getting traction and a lot of times people say keep at it you know this we, we know this is really hard and sometimes people even say you know i queried 60 something times and i finally got an agent or i finally got a publisher just mm-hmm. stay with it stay keep at it um so it, that's been really neat you know and of course it's a bunch of strangers you never meet but that doesn't make the words any less more powerful or mm. influential for somebody um and, and i i really think that a kind word goes a long way you know mm-hmm. it's and especially when you're i'm an encourager at heart so i can't help that but yeah. it's 
a kind word or just a I've been there can make a big difference to somebody. And so a lot of people will even ask questions. Uh, they'll say, you know, uh, writing community got a question and they'll put it on the hashtag. So, you know, people will see it kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I've, um, and there, there's also, um, I'm kind of getting more connected with some of the voice actors on Twitter as well, which is nice. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm not as active with that particular hashtag or community yet. Um, I'm sure I'll get there because it's right. me. But <laughs> It's a work in progress and you're slowly making work in progress. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's what I love about Twitter. And that's why I've been so conflicted because people, especially in the writing community, have been very vocal about the Elon Musk takeover. And it's been, the you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like a difficult situation for many folks. But at the at its core, though, it still feels like things are going sort of in the same direction Um, Mm -hmm. unless, you know, like people are getting targeted with ads. I'm not on there like a lot anymore right now but it it seems like that's the case um do you feel like twitter is at risk of of becoming something than what it is right now that you know the thing that we like is going to be distorted i don't know um i know a lot of people were worried and started leaving and it's always good to diversify your social media platforms we know this but um i mean i'm like i said i'm staying till it dies so you know (laughs) when they turn the lights out i'll leave but yeah um I, I don't know. I worry about that. And I think we just worry about it because of that feeling of unease. It's like, because it's almost like what's coming next. You know, we see all these changes that have come to Twitter, right. but you're right. It does still feel kind of the in my corner. It feels kind of the same. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know who's, who is working to keep everything running, but God bless you because you're doing a great job. So <laughs> I, I always just pray, please don't take my, my online friends away because it's strange. I never mm-hmm. had taken to Twitter until about two years ago. And, and by mm-hmm. diving in, it really felt like that's the one social media platform that's been so receptive and so welcoming. And that surprised me because I always thought that Twitter was the platform of vitriol and hatred and this or that or exactly and and i'm i'm still to this day i mean i'm shocked because that's why the podcast is around because without twitter support it wouldn't even be here so it it just baffles me wow that we are in this in this moment where like we don't know what's going to happen but uh, (laughs) we'll Mm -hmm. see we'll see how it pans out But um, speaking of of more of the audio work that you've done, because you have audio an audio book on your YouTube, correct? Mm-hmm, correct. Yeah. So, um, what is that one about? Because I'm sorry if you've told me on this one, but um, is this the one for your VSS stories that that is currently on YouTube? Um, no, this one is this is a new book that I published this year, oh, okay. um, and. Uh, so there's, it's available in print and ebook. It's called Endgame, a zombie novelette, and it does take place in a zombie apocalypse. Um, but it is not about the, much like any zombie story. It's not about the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's more about the bonds of love and family between, um, between this group of survivors. And, uh, you know, I had to do, again, coming back to Twitter, I had to do something on Twitter where I summarized the book in three words. And uh, I guess my biggest thing, because I don't want to say too much because I'll start giving away pieces of it, yeah. but one of the biggest themes in the book is time is precious. Mm. Um, and, and you know, looking back at that, it's, it's something that we have a hard time remembering at any stage of life because life, you know, the shorter it gets, the faster it goes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, the, the book is, the book, Endgame actually started out as about a 1600 word short story 
And the characters looked at me and said, oh, no, you're not done with us yet. And I said, really? <laughs> and um, so it became an almost 9,000 word novelette. And once it hit that length, I'm like, you know, I could publish this. And I'm like, I was not planning on publishing a book this year, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd already been making some connections with doing full cast audio on my, my channel and whatnot. And I said, you know, I could do an audio book. Oh, and man. then at least that way, you know, I could have an audio book. I can work on it. This would be really cool. I can put it on YouTube so the actors can say, hey, here's a sample of my work. And uh -huh. people who might not be able to get a copy of the book can say, well, at least I can go listen to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how all that came about. And that was quite a journey. Oh, that's, um, that's beautiful. I, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. But yeah, it was <laughs> it was quite a journey. <laughs> Time consuming, you'd say, like uh, over how long did this take oh, yeah. to, to write the work? I probably, I'd say a couple of years because okay. I wasn't necessarily working on it every day or uh -huh. actively. It was kind of a, I found a, a writing prompt and um, went from there and because it was just intriguing. And so it was like, oh, I wonder what that would look, you know, it's kind of that what if yeah, thing. It's like, yeah. What would that look like? <laughs> um, how would I write that? And so it, it went from there. And then once it got past, because I just thought, you know, well, I could. I just publish it as a short story on my website, like I've done before. Mm -hmm. But once it got to a certain length, it was like, maybe I should like publish, publish. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and um, so, yeah. And that of course is um, I, I do the, the graphic design, the layout, the text. Of course, oh, my friends are that. editing. I had beta readers, <laughs> had beta readers on this one. My beta readers were awesome. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, it was, um, it was a lot, but again, mm -hmm. I, I do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, but that that's just the, the best because I feel like you are fully immersed in the story and you're thinking of so many ways to, to produce it and elevate it. Like mm -hmm. even after it's written, I just love that you do the graphic design and you do the, the production of it because I feel like that's, that's exactly my speed. And so that's so incredibly inspiring mm -hmm. to me. I uh, can you describe a little bit about that moment of listening to your work as an audiobook, finally produced? Oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> after it, all those oh, years, it was after all those years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and it's funny because we really worked on the audiobook. I think I started reaching out to people like um, around this time last. Well, not this time. This is December. Um, around October of last year, and just saying, "Hey, I'm doing this audiobook. I'd like to cast you if you're interested." I'll check back with you in the spring. And they're like, okay. And so by springtime, I thought I'd have the short story done. Mm. Didn't. And so, <laughs> it was, so it became, I was like, okay, guys, you're, you're going to get this in May. So we're going to push the release date to September, you know, da, 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 da. again, the project management. Yeah. Um, but hearing it, it was very interesting because I'd get everybody's tracks separate. And so I'd hear like one character at a time. And I, I will say every actor on that audiobook made me cry at some point because mm. they did their job so <laughs> well. It's like, it, oh, it was just, I was so proud. I couldn't help it. And, but when I put everything together, um, including I'm on, I'm play one of the characters as well. When I got everybody's tracks together and put it together and started hearing that story as opposed to just reading it, it was such, there is nothing like hearing an actor bring one of your characters to life or read your your narration because it's not you anymore it's somebody else bringing their experience their their skills and talents to putting this out in the world it's not just you doing it and it was just magical because you you start looking at things in a different way and i, I actually remember thinking 
wow, this is a pretty good story. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the job was again, successful. It's almost, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you still, it, it kind of makes you step back, you know, mm -hmm. and you look at it a little bit differently, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a special kind of transcendence. I've realized Absolutely. when an actor takes it and it doesn't belong to you anymore. I, it's almost like you yeah. want to, you wanted to leave your body as soon as possible so that it can inhabit somebody else, <laughs> you know, go, right. go hunt right. somebody else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You can bother them for a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm really excited that we get to share that on the podcast and, uh, I'm going to put the links in the episode description so that folks can check out that work. And I'm going to be checking it out myself. I have some time to listen to audiobooks, so I'm really, really hyped to, uh, to get to that oh, one. Great. But I'm curious. Well, I would love to know what you think. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I am curious what's on the horizon for you. What, are, what is the next thing that you'd like to get done in the next little while? Um, the biggest thing I'm working on right now is an audio role play series called Renegade Shadow. And mm. that is actively in production. Um, we are three episodes published. Uh, the cast and I are working on a fourth episode. Um, this is the first episode of this that I'll be bringing in extra voice actors. So I'm very, very excited. Mm. Um, it's like, yay, new characters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that is a, um, it's actually a based in a werewolf universe. Well, werewolves and vampires, we haven't met the vampires yet. They're in a, a separate series. But, um, <laughs> but basically it is... Um, Audio role plays for me are what I like to call immersive storytelling because the listener is actually a character in the story. Mm. So they're referred to, things happen to them. Um, and, and how much more immersive for a reader or listener can you be by, you know, other than bringing them into the story? So I have a lot of fun with that. Um, cause, mm. and writing the dialogue, you have to remember, oh, I'm talking to a listener. So I have to remember. You know, of course, writing audio play dialogue is different than writing visual dialogue. But sure, um, sure. It, so that's been a lot of fun. And that's been a, a new um, um, project and and skill set for me. That's for <laughs> sure. But um, basically, it's uh, the listener is found out in the woods and they've been injured. And uh, the alpha of the werewolf pack, whose name is Judith, they have to figure out what happened to this person and why mm. were they just left in the woods? And could this happen again? So it's kind of mystery story, but but, you know. Uh, paranormal um mm -hmm. and but there's a lot of um it's not just the mystery and the paranormal there's the connections between the characters and things like that so we're having fun with it and i uh <laughs> I, I get frustrated sometimes because i know what's coming down the pipeline and the listeners or the audience does not know that yet and i'm like i really want to get this out there but it's like <laughs> patience ronda patience Good things take time. That's patience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you intend this for to be a an ongoing series? You said, or is this going to be a, a finite number of episodes that you're gonna you you're gonna see the light at the end of the tunnel? This will be a finite number of episodes. Um, the characters, um, as far as this story and this what happens to them, um, I do have a prequel series to it that I'd like to do, depending on if it's popular and people would like to hear it. Mm. Um, and then I have a different series, which is the same universe, but it uh, involves vampires instead of werewolves. So right. um, that will be fun um, okay. to try to do. So I have things in this universe that I still want to do, but for this particular story, it'll be a finite number of episodes. Oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. I got two more questions for you to be mindful of your time. Okay. Cause I know we get, we, we, I could talk to you all day because I'm, I just want to pick your brain right. about so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me of a few things that you're 
experiencing right now, whether it's a book or a game, a show, a movie, music, anything that you've experienced recently that has been inspiring you beyond belief that you're really into? Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's just revisiting some of the the games or stories that I, I'm used to. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Dishonored series, uh, which is um, has a really rich storyline and backstory and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm also a huge fan of the Librarians TV show, um, which mm. was uh, the group of librarians who protect the world from magic. So <laughs> um, I think it's revisiting those stories. And sometimes I revisit something I watched as a kid and I'm like, okay, why did this inspire me? And, you know, it's, there's all of this rich, deep storytelling, but there's also snarky dialogue. I'm a huge fan <laughs> of, of good, witty dialogue. So <laughs> I think it's just revisiting those things and looking at them in a different light um, that mm -hmm. has been inspiring me a lot right now. Wonderful. And lastly, what would you say to somebody who is just starting out on their creative journey, their creative life? Because I do feel that the creative mm -hmm. life is, is beyond just having deadlines and producing nonstop, mm -hmm. but rather about the process. So what would you say to somebody who's just starting out to, to get them on the right track? I would say just do it. Don't wait. Um, I think sometimes we, we want to wait until the quote unquote time is right. Um, explore what you want to do. If it's drawing or painting or, um, things of that nature, it's, you know, you're the only one who can tell the story that you have in your head. You're the only one that could present that piece of art. Um, so do it because you don't know who out there needs to see that or needs to read that or hear that. Um, I, I am a firm believer that our story is not our own. We, we, you know, things happen to us in our life that, that we are able to then use to produce our art or to share with other people and, and, you know, give, give someone else, you know, uh, encouragement or hope or something like that. So you're the only one that can tell the story that's in your head. So tell it and don't be afraid to. That's a hell of a note to end on. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda, thanks so much for your time and for Thank having you. this this amazing passion for the work that you do and for sharing it out into the world for free. So, folks, uh, if you're listening, please feel free to check out uh, Rhonda's uh, YouTube channel. I know that I'll be listening to the audiobook and, and catching up with you probably down the road on it. But I'm very, very thankful for your time and for all of this awesome work that you're bringing into the world. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I will be in touch on the Internet. So... Thanks so much, Rhonda, and I will talk to you real soon. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.